right. Good morning, Renewal Church. Good morning. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, primarily working with our uh, college group, our college students that we just prayed for. Um, we're at the tail end of our school year, and so not just the graduating seniors, but even, you know, just, you know, all, all of the classes. Uh, let's, let's, you know, keep them in our prayers as they're kind of getting ready to take their final exams and just, you know, getting ready for their summer plans and, and so on. Uh, well, it's great to be uh, worshiping together this Lord's Day. Um, and actually, before we take a look at our text and, uh, you know, proceed with our message for the morning, I wanted to highlight something um, very important that's going on uh, currently uh, in the life of our church. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, well, a week ago from now, uh, we shared a significant update uh, at our uh, members meeting that uh, I'd like to share with you, know, you all, just the wider congregation uh, this morning as well, though just in an abbreviated form. Uh, be because not everyone was you know, able to be there and um, you know, for various reasons and because we think that this you know, matter is absolutely relevant to our entire church body. Um, and so uh, you know, everyone that comes through these doors here at Renewal. Being in a church and uh, a denomination uh, like Renewal, in which, we, uh, which the ordained offices are held uh, by men, uh, the session, which consists of elders and some of the pastors here at Renewal, uh, thought it would be good to explore um, how to better empower the women of our congregation, the women of our church. Uh, and, and the initial desire was to kind of stay ahead of the curve, um, especially in light of some of the cases uh, of you know abuse that have been coming out uh, more recently that we've heard about in other churches perhaps you know you've you're familiar with some of these stories as well and so we asked key women leaders uh, to meet with us the session and pastors uh, in order to hear from their perspective what it's like to be a woman at renewal what that experience is like uh, and frankly you know we were caught off guard by the ways in which women in our church have felt unsupported, uh, underrepresented, and even undervalued at times. Um, we've spent time you know, grieving over these things, repenting of our failure, and have you know, committed to uh, a process of reviewing and reforming our practice uh, in order to ensure that the unique and wonderful gifts uh, and strengths of our women at Renewal are not you know, undervalued or stifled uh, in any way. And so this process is happening uh, in partnership with a group of women in leadership here at Renewal. And we're also grateful to have uh, the guidance, of, uh, guidance on this from you know, counselor, speaker, and uh, author, Dr. Diane Langberg, um, who's you know, written extensively on the topic of you know, power dynamics, especially within the church. And it's an additional help that she herself attends a PCA church and is well aware of the kind of dynamics that are unique to churches you know, very much like renewal. And so these discussions, you know, have been heavy, um, but we are hopeful for where the Lord uh, is taking us. And um, a way that Dr. Langberg phrased it and recently expressed to us, our desire is to make renewal um, a place where it's more of a duet between um, the men and, and women of renewal uh, than it has been. And so we are still, you know, very early in the process, but we'll keep you updated along the way. Um, and in particular, you know, inviting broader engagement and dialogue from our women in particular, um, but we ask that you would please join us in just covering this matter in, in prayer um, as an entire church body. Um, and even, you know, the goal of sharing about this, both, you know, last week at congregational meeting and, and even now is, is not to pat ourselves on the back and say, look what we're doing. 
uh, far from that. Uh, but we're sharing about this to inform our church body of this process and conversation that's going on and um, especially to ask that you'd be praying for a renewal in this way, um, that, that we would grow through this and uh, look more like the church that God would have us be, um, you know, from the leadership to, to every member, to every you know, person who comes through these doors uh, here at Renewal. So um, that's just a quick update. Again, that's brief, uh, you know, compared to kind of everything that's going on. But let me uh, pray on our behalf just to kind of cover that in as we look into uh, text this morning for our message. Heavenly Father, we pray that as a church body, we would honor every member, every precious part of the body. God, and as you've you know, brought to light uh, just the ways that renewal has failed in the area of honoring, uplifting, and celebrating you know, women in our church to the extent that we should, uh, help us to grieve over the pain and hurt that was afflicted, help us to repent of and turn from the ways of unbiblical tradition or interpretation of these things and help us to be true to your word, true to the character and heart of Christ. And continue to help us to see areas that we need to grow, areas that we as a leadership and as a church may be blind. We know there certainly are many. And even as we look into your word this morning, help us not to just hear your word to us but to be doers who put your living word into action uh, in these ways and in in every way. Uh, Within our own church, um, to put it into action within our own church and even as we go out in in your name. And so speak to us through your word uh, this morning. Uh, In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, uh, we are continuing in our uh, kind of still new series through the book of James on what it means to be uh, in community with one another, what it means to truly be uh, a gospel-centered community, you know, Bible-centered community, a word-centered community. And so we want to spend time on this theme of community and what that looks like uh, because, as Pastor Dwight shared last week, we've kind of been without uh, community in in some ways, in many ways, uh, for a long time. Uh, We may have, you know, forgotten this sense of gospel community that God calls us as a church to live out uh, with one another and, you know, in, in, our, in our contexts. And uh, we want to see what the Bible says about um, living in community with one another uh, in and outside of our context. And so, you know, my understanding of the book of James generally um, is that the book of James is, is kind of understood as a book about very practical faith, um, what it looks like to live out your faith in general, uh, just in very practical ways. Um, And we want to focus on these very practical themes as they play out in uh, community with one another uh, throughout the series. And I'll reiterate, you know, how Pastor Dwight put it last week, where it's more than just what it means to be at church together, but what it means to actually be the church, to embody that. More than just what it means to be at church together, we want to look at what it means to be the church. And that's what this series is all about. You know, we believe that the church is not just this physical building, this wonderful building that we have where we gather together to worship God, but that every member, every person in the kingdom of God is the church, every single one of us. And so this series is all about what that means and how we live that out in a deep, meaningful, thoughtful way uh, and by God's design. 
And then to add to that, these things that we'll explore um, in this series, just throughout this series, are, again, as we'll see today especially, not meant to be just kind of abstract, just informative, just intellectual. But as we'll look at today, like I said, we're, they're meant to be put into practice. They're meant to be lived out tangibly in concrete ways. The things that we learn and understand about our faith are meant to be lived out uh, in community with one another. And so uh, we'll look at our passage this morning, um, as, as uh, Steph read for us, in the second half of James chapter 1 and, and how it speaks to these things. And so our headings, if, if this is helpful for you, are as follows. Community who hears the word, community who does the word, and community who spreads the word. So community who hears the word, does the word, and spreads the word. Uh, first, community who hears the word. Uh, our, our passage speaks you know, very clearly to, uh, on, on what it means to hear the word. Right? In verses 22 to 24, it says this. I'll read it for us. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. Now, our passage is not condemning the concept of hearing the word. Obviously not, right? Hearing the word is important, to say the least, right? Hearing it preached from the pulpit like we're doing, you know, even right now. Studying it in the context of community groups, which is why that's one of our, you know, vital ministries within our church. Um, or even just personal Bible study that you do on your own or, you know, with a smaller group. Uh, the quiet times that we spend in the Lord that we look into the word even the word preached to one another in fellowship, not just from the pulpit, not just from a pastor, but as we speak the word into each other's lives and, in a sense, preach the word to one another in fellowship, um, and as we encourage and uplift one another. Right? These are all obviously good things, very, very important things. But there's a very important distinction and a word that James uses um, in the verses that we just reread, which indicate that what, you know, what this passage is indeed um, speaking against and condemning. Um, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't be hearers only. Right? You see, it's when we hear only and fail to put the word that we hear into action, when we fail to respond to the very word that we hear, uh, when we fail to respond in faithful obedience, that's when we are deceiving ourselves, as the passage says, that that's when we're like a person who looks in a mirror and immediately forgets what they just saw. Or perhaps a more familiar phrasing is that it's in one ear and out the other. Right? Someone who only hears the word and doesn't do the word, it's kind of like a person who's like starving, right? Maybe some of us are already starving, starving in the early part of this day, and they're groaning in hunger pains, and you go up to them and you tell them, hey, they're giving out free pizza just up the block. And then their response is, oh, thanks, that sounds great. Oh, I'm so hungry. And they just walk away and they, you know, they, don't, they don't go and get that free pizza, right? Or whatever your food of choice might be. Or another kind of silly example that perhaps hits a little closer to home uh, and that I've shared with the college students before and that I believe I heard a version of this from a renewal uh, sermon long ago and that, that has stuck with me all these years. Imagine someone is in a runner's club, a running club, right? 
And the reason I'm saying this hits close to home is not because our church is full of people who love running, which, which our church does have, but uh, that's not the point here, right? This person is part of a group that is deeply passionate about running. Right? Running is life for this group of people. They explain about how they love running so much and they meet weekly to talk about how great running is. They hear talks from professional runners about the benefits of running and you know, new kind of technology and innovative ways to run and how great running is. Um, they read books about running. Uh, they pay money to go on running trips where they can really focus on the awesomeness that running is. They buy clothing that has cool catchphrases about how great running is. They have songs written about running and all the wonders of running. And during the meetings, that they sing songs together about how great running is. And it's all great. But then you ask them, when do you actually run? When do you actually go running? Do you actually go running, ever? And if that person were to say, oh, well, now that you mention it, we don't actually run. We don't actually do the actual running. We just kind of love hearing about how great it is how life-changing it is without actually going out and doing it. How ridiculous is that concept? And yet how many of us so often treat the word of God similarly to running in that analogy? Right? We love hearing a great sermon where we feel like the idea was very clearly, articulately, and powerfully said. We feel inspired in the moment about what the preacher just preached we learn something new, we're mind blown because we never thought of it that way, and that excites us. We feel moved and emotional when we sing these beautiful songs about God, you know, take everything, I surrender all. But then once we leave these doors, Monday through Saturday, our lives are not in line with what we heard and what we sing about on Sundays. And how does this tendency play out in community, not just on an individual level, but in community. And are our church community relationships and friendships any different than those that we have outside of church community? Other than the fact that we know each other through church and maybe go to the same church, do our relationships within the community look any different than our relationships outside of it? And I'm not saying that Christian friends are not allowed to watch a Sixers game together unless it's after a long Bible study or that you can't catch up with someone over a meal unless you pray for one another at the end. That's not, I'm not saying that. But if you call someone a brother or sister in Christ, fellow family of God, fellow member of the church community, and your relationship with them is only ever hanging out, shared interests, there's very little to no kind of deeper fellowship, praying for one another, being in each other's lives beyond just superficial ways. If there's no sharpening one another, calling out that person when they're in sin and when they need to be called out, challenging one another to grow up uh, to more like Christ. If those things are virtually absent from that friendship, you have to ask yourself at some point, are you living in community that hears the word only, but doesn't do the word in relationship with one another. 
Does that describe some of our friendships, our relationships that we have? Which brings us to our second point, community who does the word. Community who does the word. Now let's look at what the text says about this, about community, about doing the word, right? At first glance, it might seem like James is kind of going a bit back and forth between different kind of unrelated themes, right? In verse 19, he seems to be talking about speech and anger and how to listen well and the importance of that. And it's that part about be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Maybe we even have that part, you know, memorized. And then we have the section that we focused on just now, um, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And then in verse 26, a little after, he brings these two together. And he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. The NIV translation puts it like this. It's a little bit smoother. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. See, James is rehashing what Jesus taught in Matthew 15 when he said, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And he goes on to say, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. The things we say throughout the week reveal what's going on in our hearts. And quiet people, if you're quiet and you are not as talkative, I would say just because you may not be as talkative as others doesn't mean you're off the hook. I would include even the thoughts that we think um, in our minds, the things we say even if it just stays in our own minds, in our own hearts. That also reveals our hearts, the condition of our hearts, the priorities of our hearts. Do we consider ourselves religious, spiritual, because we make it out to church every Sunday, hang out with church friends throughout the week, all while the things that we say, the things that we think outside of church context indicates that our religion is perhaps worthless, as James puts it. Are we deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're holier, better Christians than we actually are? When we leave the physical church building, do we leave also the church values, what the church stands for? The word of God that we hear and receive, whether here on Sundays or if it's in your CGs, do we leave that as well when we leave those contexts? And so what does it mean to be a community whose religion isn't worthless, who hears the word and who does the word, well, it's not a community of people who follow the rules for rule-following's sake. Right? That's, not, that's legalism. Um, that's not what the book of James is about, even though at times it might seem like he's giving so many kind of imperatives that it might seem like legalism. That's not what it's about. And as we've said, it's not a community of people who, you know, church just happens to be the reason that you know each other, but it's rarely kind of this present, continuing, uniting factor in your relationships and something that plays out regularly in that community. 
I mean, even community groups here at Renewal, right? We're kind of in the process of rethinking a lot of things as a church, um, possibly rethinking how we can be community that is better at doing the word, not just gathering together to hear and learn about the word, as important as that is. Again, hearing, learning, studying the word together is extremely important, but if it stops there, if that's all we do, and we don't put it into practice in community, then our religion is worthless. Because how many have experienced this, if we're, if we're totally honest, right, in regards to community group? Where our mindset going into community group is kind of just, let's put up with the Bible study portion, which maybe we get bored by, we're not interested. But we go, we put up with that part because we want that kind of connection and fellowship that comes along with community group time. Right? We value the opportunity to connect with people, but if we're honest, the part of community group that involves the word of God, we could kind of do without that. That is not community that hears and puts the word into action in relationship with one another. And as that question relates to this passage, how do we live out community in relation to one another in our speech, as this passage very directly talks about in our speech, how, in how we listen and care for one another? Right? Does it look like what this passage talks about, our interactions with each other, or are we quick to become you know, frustrated uninterested, perhaps even angry towards others. And the sense of community just never goes deeper because that's what we feel and we cop out. Right? Let's be totally real here. Renewal's a big enough church that if you honestly either don't care for someone's kind of personality or lifestyle, if you don't vibe with them, or if someone rubs you the wrong way, you could easily just move on to find someone else who kind of, or another pocket within renewal that does align more with those things. Our church is big enough where you can just kind of go about doing that. But is that doing the word? Is that embodying what this passage is talking about? This passage is conveying a sense of relationship where it's about showing grace, gentleness, patience, understanding, it's about embodying the word of God and our sense of community with one another in the ways that this passage lays out and, and more, as we'll see. Right? The focus on speech is, of course, not just technically about speech. Like I said, if you're not as talkative, that doesn't mean it applies less to you. Right? Many of us are polite or considerate enough to not speak out our frustrations and just be you know, belligerent towards each other for the most part. Right? We have enough sense to not let that out, usually. But what we say, whether it's out loud or even if we're just saying it in our own hearts and minds about other people, to other people, again, it shows our heart in the matter. Do we do the word in that we show grace toward one another in our speech and actions, even in conflict, in conflict, right? This passage assumes conflict to a degree, if you kind of read in between the lines, right? James is not worried about whether you're quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, when it's someone you greatly admire or someone you like. Now, of course, we'll do these things when we highly respect, admire somebody. But in moments of conflict, when relationships get challenging, do we embody these things in community with each other?
Or maybe you're here and you need to think of these things more in terms of, am I even close enough with people in the community to have the opportunity for healthy conflict? To have healthy, uncomfortable conversations with one another where potentially there may arise a situation where you're kind of challenged to put these things into, into practice, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Right? Some of us perhaps feel like living in community, right? doing the word is far off and it feels so you know, far away and unobtainable because we keep everyone at arm's length and we've done so for maybe a long time. Deep relationships, friendships, community will garner moments of conflict. They will happen. Have we reached that level with others in our, in our community? And how have we reacted in those times if we have? Think of your you know, friendships within Renewal. Think about the actual people that you consider you know, your close friends here within the church body or people you consider brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe if they don't necessarily go to Renewal. How much is this doing the word, putting it into practice, something that actually takes place within those very friendships, with those individuals that you consider you know, close friends? And doing the word, meaning things that we've looked at from this very passage, you know, be, you know the, the speech and the listening, the way we speak to one another, but also praying for one another, speaking into each other's lives, serving others, reaching out to those who might be new or still trying to find their place in the community, holding each other accountable with sin struggles. And, and these are just a few examples how much of that is taking place within this community, within those relationships? If you're doing it, great. Praise God. Think of more people to do this with, more or more ways that you can kind of introduce this doing the word in those, in those relationships. If you're not, then ask yourself, you know, how can I take a few steps towards this very practically? What would this look like in my relationships within the church community? Who's one person that I can take a step toward in this regard, in this way? Perhaps one way that probably all of us, whether we are kind of doing this to some extent or not, one way that probably all of us could introduce or, or reintroduce this living and active word into our relationships is to ask a close friend, hey, what... What are the things I'm not seeing? What are my blind spots? What are the things that you might see in my life that I might not see? My sins, my struggles, my tendencies that are hurtful, inconsiderate. What are the areas that you feel like there's room for improvement in my life? Maybe I need to be called out for things that I do regularly that aren't in line with living this word out. And I'll tell you, it's hard to essentially ask someone to expose some of the ugliness in your life. That's, that's essentially what you're doing when you invite someone to do that. You're asking them to expose and shine a bright light right on the ugliness in your life. And it's hard because it's uncomfortable. Right? You have to kind of come to face, you have to come face to face with things that we naturally try to hide and suppress, but that we might not be as you know, good at hiding as we think we are, which is why we need each other in this way. 
And it might be hard because, you know, maybe we've never done something like this, invited someone to speak into our lives in such a way. Um, someone who you feel safe, you know, doing this uh, to, with you, to speak into your life in such a deep, kind of surgical way. Some of us have never done it. But might I challenge all of you, myself as well, that if you either, you know, haven't done this with brothers and sisters in Christ, to seek out relationships where people are loving enough, faithful enough to be able to lovingly call you out in these ways and in actually inviting them to do that very thing, can I challenge you to prayerfully consider taking that step with someone from the community, right? A fellow brother or sister in Christ. It doesn't have to be renewal per se, but... Or my guess is that even if we you know, haven't done this ever or in a long time, we probably all have friends that are close enough that we could do this with, right? Maybe, maybe this is one way we can take a step towards being um, in deep personal community with one another, doing the word in each other's lives, not just hearing, inviting someone to speak into your life in this way. Whether it's in this way that I just offered or maybe it's even just as simple as introducing praying for each other out loud more into, you know, uh, for one another, more into your existing friendships and your relationships uh, within the community. Think of a way that, you know, we can take steps towards each other in this, in this area of doing the word, putting the word into practice in our, in, our, in our relationships, right? Think of a person you can reach out to, to grow together with, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Third and last, uh, just a brief kind of word on, you know, community who spreads the word, community who spreads the word. Uh, whereas a lot of the focus on the second point that we just looked at was kind of how to go deeper in existing community, right? Um, how we can come to terms with the fact that there is a lot of room to grow uh, with one another and doing the word toward one another. Uh, this call to be a word-centered community is not just an inward thing. It's not just about within the church walls, within church friendships and relationships. Uh, it's not just about us here at Renewal. Right? Yes, we are particularly focused on you know, building up a sense of identity as a church in this season because that effort was significantly kind of impacted by COVID just as we were trying to get those things off the ground. You know, for anyone who uh, joined Renewal more recently or are unaware of kind of you know, what we're doing here, uh, we split off into two sites uh, here at Renewal, one here in West Philly and then one in Center City near Chinatown. And the desire was that each campus would begin to develop a sense of identity, um, unique identity, as they each relate to their context, right? West Philly is very different than Center City. And so yes, we do wanna focus on how to finally begin developing you know, these things at each site that undoubtedly has a lot to do with this sense of community you know, within renewal. However, church should never just be about building ourselves up. It's not what church is about. It should never just be about how we can become kind of a bigger, better version of ourselves within these walls only. You know, how, how, how can we better our programs? That's, no. But the call to be community centered on the word also entails our witness outside of these walls as well. And one particular area of encouragement from these past two years, and you know, Lord knows there have been you know, few and far between, 
But one particular area of encouragement these past years has been how we've actually added numbers even during COVID here at Renewal, right? Uh, we've added members, we've grown as a church body. Um, it was only a few weeks ago when we installed, you know, a, a new round of new members and we heard testimonies and, you know, we witnessed baptisms and that's just as much what church is all about as deepening our existing relationships with one another in community. I can't say that enough. Right? We'll look more at this theme specifically, you know, later on in the series, which is why I don't want to spend too much time on what it means to be community kind of on mission in this way. But what I will say is that being a community centered on the word, a community who not only hears the word, but commits to full obedience to it, who does the word, puts it into action, being this kind of community is just as much about growing together as it is about making Christ known in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our city, in the world. Let me say that again. Being this kind of community, a word-centered community, is just as much about growing together and deepening relationships within the community as it is about making Christ known outside of these walls. Faithfulness toward the word of God is not about just rule following, doing what you gotta do. It's not just about me being a morally good or virtuous person. And being a community centered on the word is not just about being a virtuous, nice group of people. If that's all we care about here at Renewal, then we are lacking in many ways. But it's about embodying the very heart and character of the word become flesh, Jesus Christ. We must begin to strip away this kind of flawed understanding that being Christian or being in Christian community is just about my beliefs, right? What we believe. Hearing the word is you know, just about agreeing and ascribing to what I hear preached every week. That's not all it is. But if this word is not active, if it's not put into action, if we are not doers, but hearers only, then we are missing the whole point. Our religion is worthless. We're deceiving ourselves. Being doers of the word is synonymous to being like Christ, who is the word become flesh, the perfect embodiment and fulfillment of the whole scripture of the word. That's why we say we want to be like Christ. Is that our pursuit? That we not only hear, know, and receive understanding about the word, but that we also strive to live faithfully to be like Jesus. So that we would be a community who reflects our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ both to one another, but also to those around us as well, outwardly. Let me close by reading uh, one of my favorite uh, portions of scripture, Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, um, which beautifully captures a lot of what we looked at in James, and it's kind of this, this portrait of these things kind of played out, how it plays out. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, I don't think we have a slide, so I'll just read it for us. Paul writes, and he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity 
of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And here's the, here's the beautiful picture here. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My hope and prayer is that renewal would grow more and more into the image of what the church body should look like, speaking the truth in love, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. And when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church, may we be a community that as we're centered on the word, not just by that's what we say, but as we actually live that out, as we're centered on the word, on Jesus Christ, our head, that we would be built up in love for the glory of his name as a powerful witness, as a powerful testimony to who God is and who Christ is. Let's pray.